You are listening to the Theologizing at Remedy podcast, a podcast from Remedy Church in Rock Hill, South Carolina. The design of the podcast is to help the people at Remedy Church connect theology with community, mission, and care. All right, welcome to Theologizing at Remedy. Yes, another the Remedy Church podcast studios we're in. That's right. Another, it's our third, third episode, as it were. Uh, I'm Chris Miller, a pastor here at Remedy, and he would... Fudd Chambers, a pastor here at Remedy. So today, Fudd, I thought it would be good if we would um, discuss the uh, church covenant or the membership covenant, like what members pledge to one another, so to speak, when they become a member here at Remedy Church. So let's just start off with the basic question, you know, what, what, is, what is a covenant here? You know, what are we talking about? What is a covenant? So in our Remedy membership covenant, it says a covenant is generally defined as a written agreement or promise, usually under seal between two or more parties, especially for the performance of some action. And so the general point is, if you're going to be a member, we want it to mean something. And so we have a Remedy membership covenant to where you are agreeing to be in uh, an agreement with everybody else that you're going to actually be a part of the church and actually take that seriously. So that's... That's the general idea is that everybody that becomes a member has to agree to the covenant. We don't do annual covenant membership. There's some people that do that, some churches that do that. We just say, if you are going to be a member, you need to read it and agree. We just figure once you agree, you agree. All right, so, you, so is, that a, is that a biblical thing? Like, I mean, do we read in Acts where local churches covenant with one another? Or is, you know, explain kind of that tension there. Is, is this just like... well? There is covenant mentioned in the, in the Bible where right. God makes covenants with us, and we have covenants with each other in marriage. And so it's not unbiblical, and some churches can certainly do it, and some churches don't have to um, if they don't want to. We do it um, simply because we just want membership to really mean something. Uh, there's, you know, we all grew up in churches where you could just walk down the, the row and join the church that particular day, and everybody says yes, and boom, you're in. And, you know, okay, that's fine. But at Remedy, we want regenerate membership, and we want you to go through a class, and we want you to have thought about it, and we want to know that you're a Christian. We have you fill out some forms that let us know, and then you also agree to the covenant so that you know that whenever you become a member at Remedy, that you can't just, you know, be there on Sundays, but you actually have to be a part of the life of the body. Right. So it is a, it's biblical in the sense that, like, a church does represent Jesus Christ. And so when you formalize this like we've done with mm-hmm. the membership covenant, it's a way of us making sure we're, we're representing Jesus right. We don't have unregenerate people uh, walking around claiming the name of Christ. Correct. All right, so there are kind of, uh, there's multiple pieces in our, our church membership covenant. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the two that I want to really zero in on are the, the pledges that elders make and then the pledges that members make. So let's first look at, uh, you know, the pledges that elders make. So I'm going to read through some of these bullet points. So if someone becomes a member, these are the things that elders promise to do for them. Right. Right. And so I'll read through each one of these bullet points, and you can kind of give a, a quick summary of it. So the first one says this, the elders covenant to appoint elders and deacons, including staff members who serve in these offices, according to the criteria assigned to them in Scripture. Correct. So uh, elders will choose elders um, according to Titus 1, where Paul tells Titus to appoint elders 
in every city. It seems like what Paul is, is saying in accordance with the Holy Scriptures, um, as he's inspired by the Holy Spirit, that elders are to appoint elders. And so we do that. But um, it seems like also that congregations appoint deacons. If you look at Acts chapter 6, where the apostles say, pick from among yourselves. And if you want to make the case that Acts 6 is the first deacons. And so it seems like in the Scriptures, elders pick elders, congregations pick deacons. And so the elders, elders a covenant to appoint elders and help with the process of appointing deacons. All right, and the second bullet point reads, the elders covenant to prayerfully seek God's will for our church community and steward her resources to the best of our ability based on our study of scripture and following the spirit. So uh, the elders promise that, that we will lead the church in prayer. We, we have corporate prayer every Wednesday. We want the church to be a part of that. We believe that all of us praying together is good. Um, to seek the Lord's will for our community, and then further to steward the resources. Just uh, we we have the elders working in concert with the finance team to steward the resources as best as we can to to reach the community and um, do all the things that we want to do for mission. Right. Um, the other thing is, you know, in like elders meetings, right? We pray. There's like one a month where we specifically pray over each kind of member to care for the church and seek her growth in grace, truth, and love. Um, so this is just general priestly pastoring. You know, you, you, you are constantly as elders making sure that you know how people are doing. Uh, and if you know that there's things that are going on, you give them a call, you talk to them, you have lunch with them, you meet them for coffee. Uh, you know, the, it's the, it's the, Trenches of, of pastoral work. We promise to do that, not to be unreachable and unknowable, but uh, to walk you through, you know, life's, life's tragedies or life's ups and downs. Uh, this next one is to provide teaching and counsel from the whole scripture, the whole of scripture. Yes, uh, the congregation should expect that we should also be with them in the trenches, but also that we would teach the scriptures faithfully, um, that we would do gospel-centered preaching where we make Christ the hero of every sermon, but also that we do expositional sermon uh, sermons where we let the, the, the Bible um, do the main portion of the teaching where we, we just go through books of the Bible um, and by the power of the Spirit try to uh, see what the text says, what the original authors intended, and teach that. We believe that that's where you will get the most growth. 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17, basically, is we believe the Scriptures will do what it promises it says it will do. So we should teach the Scriptures and not, you know, our own personal opinions or thoughts on things. Yeah, so uh, this next one, to equip the members of the church for the work of ministry. I thought, you know, I thought we were the only ones that were supposed to do ministry. Well, uh, we are, but our primary jobs as pastors is to equip the members to do work. As a matter of fact, uh, in my daily devos with FUD, I just went through that text in Ephesians 4 um, uh, a couple days ago. And one of the things I pointed out was the primary task of the members is to do the work of ministry. The primary task of the elders is to equip the members to do the work of ministry. The secondary task of the elders is to do the work of ministry. And so uh, that means whenever we have... Uh, outreaches or anything that would train them to do things, 
um, that they would actually be a part of those things so they can take up the work of ministry that they're being trained to do. Yeah, I'm going to throw these next two bullet points kind of together. Uh, to be on guard against false teachers and teachings, and then also to lovingly exercise discipline when necessary for the glory of God, for the good of the one being disciplined, for the health of the church as a whole. We might also add, like, for the witness of the world as well. There's always theological issues that pop up every few years in evangelicalism that are just a little bit false. You know, they sometimes sound good, but they end up being just a little bit false. And it's good for elders and pastors of churches to know what's going on in evangelicalism, uh, the trends of theology, so that they can think about them, discern, and decide if they're biblical or not. And that's, that's basically what, be on guard against false teachers and teachings. There's always uh, things that are coming around uh, that we need to be able, as pastors, uh, be able to understand so that we can say, yes, that's good, no, that's not good, um, and, and be able to teach the church uh, why those things are not true. Yeah, and our, uh, kind of our last bullet point here um, is to set an example and join members in fulfilling the obligations of church's membership, which is you know, stated below. So I, I think to that point, I can kind of summarize that one, right? Um, Elders are not just elders. That's an office, and so they have obligations, but uh, they're also members of the local church. So all the things that we're about to talk about with uh, church membership applies uh, equally with elders. And so before we transition to members, just kind of in a sentence or two, how exactly do these pledges that the elders make in the covenant, right? They covenant to do these things. How do these things help community, mission, and care at Remedy? Right. Um, I think that community mission care happen best if the elders are leading in community mission care and the congregation, as they see the elders leading community mission care, will will also be a part of it, will desire to be a part of it. If we're not leading in it, then they're not going to do it. So we should be the best practices of community mission and care so that the church will say, yes, okay, I want to be a part of it. So. I think that that's how it connects is that elders should be doing it. Yeah. Elders should be in community groups. Elders should be doing mission. Elders should be also on the front lines caring. Yeah, I think just a brief, the statement that I would give there is, you know, we can really summarize, it seems, those obligations that we just went through as the elders administering the word both publicly and, and privately mm-hmm. and uh, being prayerful, being in prayer for themselves, for the church, for whatever's going on. Right. Um, and uh, if they're not doing those things, community mission care, it, true community mission care is going to proceed from God's word, being listened to and obeyed, um, you know, being filled with the spirit and obeying God's will. Uh, so if those things aren't, you know, happening from the eldership level, then likely God's word's not being heard and it's not being obeyed. Thus, no community mission and care. Correct. Correct. So those are the things that the elders promise to do for a new church member or current church members. These are the things that since the elders promised those things, uh, these are the things that if you become a member that you promise to do uh, along with the church. Not, not, not to the elders, but you promise to do with the church to the church. So I, the, if you become a member, then 
our membership says, I covenant to submit to the authority of the scriptures as the final arbiter on all issues. Yeah, I think that's uh, extremely important for every Christian is um, if you don't have, if you don't come to the conclusion that God's word is essentially the final authority, um, really you can do whatever's right in your own eyes or you might do whatever's right in someone else's eyes, uh, but you won't be doing whatever's right in God's eyes. You're living in the period of the judges. Right, living in the period of judges, and that went really well for them. Um, <laughs> During that time. Uh, and so I think this is just, it's important. Um, and this really, it drives into our kind of next point. Um, uh, but there's been times in my life where I can think about where I, I emotionally, like, wanted something. So uh, even years ago, like, the idea of infant baptism made sense to me emotionally. But I couldn't find it. I couldn't find it in God's word. Right. And I just, I was like, well, I, I can't, I can't agree with this because it's not God's word, even though I wanted to. The idea of it sounded really good to me. Yeah, I heard it, someone recently say that there's, there's, if you're a Presbyterian and you're listening to this, don't be upset. But it was pretty funny. I heard somebody say that you will find the same number of baptized infants in the Bible as you will unicorns. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> Next point. <laughs> All right. So the next thing that you covenant is not only submit to the authority, but you also, if you join, you submit our covenant to pursue the Lord Jesus Christ through regular Bible reading, prayer, fellowship, practice of spiritual disciplines. Yeah, I, I think this, uh, this drives at the heart of community mission and care. Even, um, you know, you're, you're saying, and, and we'll get to this in a bit, I'm going to be present among people. But before you are present among people, you want to make sure that you're living a holy life. Like your gifts are going to be put in front of them. Your brain, you're being filled up by God's word. You're being filled up in, God, in prayer to God so that when you're coming among people, you're ready and equipped to just pour into them as well. And so your individual life is going to overflow into your public life and then vice versa. Your public life is going to overflow into your individual right. life, your private you got, life. You got to be in the word. You got to be in prayer. You got to do the things that a Christian should do, basically. Um, Jesus participating in the ordinances prescribed by uh, the church, which would be baptism uh, by immersion after conversion, and also regularly remembering celebrating the person work of Christ through the Lord's Supper. Yeah, and I, I think these ordinances, uh, they really go back for me to the, the idea of the church as an embassy. It's, it's a little embassy of heaven, right? We're showing off the, like, Jesus here. We're representing him in a foreign country. We're exiles. Mm -hmm. And uh, these markers, baptism and then the Lord's Supper, are the things that are essentially, they're the passports. We're stamping these passports. We're saying, you are a heaven, you're a heavenly citizen. Uh, and so if you're not doing these things, um, or if the church chooses to remove, right, if we choose to say you cannot participate in the Lord's Supper, it's our way of safeguarding the witness of Christ among each other and then among the world. Um, so it's absolutely crucial that we're, as members, we're participating in, obviously, baptism and then the Lord's Supper. This one might be the, one of the most important ones, I think. Uh, that You also covenant to regularly participate in the life of Remedy Church by attending weekly services, engaging in biblical community and our uh, community groups, and serving uh, those within and outside of the church. The four E's. You'd be a part of those things. That's right. Um, Eager. Expectant, early, 
every Sunday. And maybe a fifth E, evangelism. Right. Evangelism, uh, however that fits. That's right. Um, yeah, pr- presence is absolutely necessary for your sake, other people pouring into you, and for other people's sake. When you choose not to show up on Sunday or when you choose not to show up on, say, community group day, you're actually removing the possibility of God working through you in the life of someone else. And then also you're removing the possibility of God working through them into, into you. your own life. Right. So it's absolutely crucial that you're, you're present there. Um, and I would say that that applies to serving in and without the church as well. Um, Hebrews 10.25, you know, be there. I would, I would just say there's way too much. I'm going to go big C here, not little C. Um, more on ecclesiology coming, by the way. Uh, we're going to do another podcast on that. But there's way too much uh, part-time church attenders, right, in, in America, and maybe the world. And at Remedy, we just shouldn't have that. Like, we should strive to be full-time church attenders, not 28 out of 52 weeks. Just how can you really be... Uh, an active church member if you're only there 28 out of 52 weeks. I, I, think that, um, I think that it would be a good practice for everyone to literally go through the calendar year and really calculate how many times they've actually been to church that year and see if they're accidentally a part-time church attender and see if they actually only go 28 to 30 weeks out of 52. That means you've, ha- you've missed half the year and... And if that's the case, then repent from it. Not in a, like, you need to repent. I mean, like, really, like, wow, I didn't realize that. I should not, that should not happen. And then seek to strive to be a part of your local church. Yeah, and I mean, Hebrews 10, just to bring up the context there, like, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, and let us consider how to stir one another up in love and good works, not neglecting to meet as some, right? So the... The context there is like when we meet, we are able to, uh, as it says, hold fast to our confession and um, stir one another up to good works, which uh, if we're not doing that. Right. We could go on out of that for a whole nother podcast. We'll stop. Move. The next thing you (laughs) promised to covenant is to steward the resources God has given, including time, talent, spiritual gifts, and finances. This includes regular financial giving service and participation in the community that is sacrificial, cheerful, and voluntary. Yeah, and, th- and this looks different in different ways. This is you bringing your gifts and, and using them for the church. Uh, this when you is say gifts, you mean spiritual gifts. Your spiritual gifts, gifts right. right. Uh, this is you, like, in your community group when you go on mission. Like, maybe you're doing a House of Agape dinner. You're, you're paying for the food to serve to these uh, homeless men and women or impoverished men and women and children. Um, and you're not... You're, you're paying for it, and you're giving your time, and you're giving your effort to prepare it or whatever it might be. Um, it's, it's all those things. Uh, but the other thing is uh, you're modeling your life after the gospel. Jesus didn't hold a single thing back in his sacrifice of his life on our behalf, and so we're not holding a single thing back as well. And kind of the famous, you know, one of the famous statements, I don't know who, who actually said this, but like, the last thing that's baptized often is your wallet, right? Um, and that, that shouldn't be true. When we're baptized, all of our life is baptized. We're brought down to die in Christ, and we're back up in resurrection life, and that includes our resources, our money. Yeah, you have to be a giver. Um, 
All right, so you also covenant by God's grace through the power of the Holy Spirit to walk in holiness in all areas of life as an act of worship to Jesus. So this is similar to Bible reading and prayer, um, but it's also, this is not just Bible reading and prayer, but you also covenant to basically no sin, kill sin in your life, mortify the flesh, as, as old John Owen would say. Right. Um, and again, that, that really just ties into what we've been saying. If, if, we're, not, if we're not walking in holiness... How are we affecting others around us when we are doing all these other things? If we're just walking in blatant sin and then we're being present among others, how are we affecting them? How are we worshiping God? What witness are we giving out to the lost when they look at our lives and they say, oh, you're not much different than I am or whatever it might be. Um, So holiness is obviously pivotal here. All right. So connect uh, what the members covenant to do with community mission and care for us. Yeah. So I think... Very simply put, you could say, if there is no membership, if there's not a group of people that are pledging to do the things that God calls us to do as a church, you won't have community mission and care. Uh, pretty simple, right? Um, and a lot of these things, uh, for instance, like community, if you're not present on Sunday, if you're not present in a community group, if you're not present serving in and outside of the church, you're not part of a community, so you can't do it. Uh, mission, uh, very rarely in Scripture do we see someone being sent out by themselves um, to carry out the Great Commission uh, care. Uh, well, I mean, if you're not in community, you're not going to know, first of all, what your brother or sister needs. You're not going to even see opportunities to care, nor will you have the the bridge to kind of care for them because they don't know you or you don't know them. You have no relationship. Uh, so I think, like, uh, membership covenant is one of the most essential things for us to constantly be reminding ourselves. These are the things that we pledge, and they're all biblical. The, every one of these things, at the end of the little membership covenant, they have a string of Bible verses that right. back them up. Right. Um, they're not just made up right. from the air. All right, so that's the membership covenant. Uh, any other final thoughts you have? Uh, no, that's, that's it. I'm still thinking about that unicorn and infant baptism uh, <laughs> statement that you made. I don't remember where I heard that, but it was pretty funny. All right, well, uh, that's it. We have, that's all we have for, for today. We've talked about Membership Covenant. Thanks for listening. Have a good one.